that is the hope of Christmas, right? Some of those were probably a little bit challenging, but that is the hope of Christmas. I don't know about you, but many of us uh, put up Christmas lights uh, this week. We've got kind of our tradition is, okay, the turkey is cooked. Everyone has slept that off. Now it's time to put up all the Christmas decorations. Uh, it looks like uh, Christmas threw up at our house uh, on the inside. Men in particular, not to totally genderize this, but how many of you went outside and put up Christmas lights? Okay. Some of us are still working on it. Okay. I remember years ago we had our first two-story house, and uh, I got a ladder from the neighbor next door. I climbed up on the roof, 21 feet up on the roof, and I uh, got up there, was very uncomfortable, decided I didn't like this very much. So instead of climbing back up to take them off at the end of the season, I would tie a rope to the one end and then just pull, and they would come off around. Um, it, it was effective um, until gravity took over and all the lights, as they fell to the ground, popped. And so five strings of lights, just it sounded like a machine gun going off. We're now yard art people. Um, if it's below, I don't know, six, eight inches, it, it, it can go in our house. We have lots of those stakes. Don't come to my house and steal my stakes. Uh, we have lots of those. The, the first Christmas lights, uh, by the way, were, were invented in 1882 by a, a friend of, of, of Thomas Edison, who you might know uh, is credited with inventing the light bulb. A guy named Edward Johnson actually started the first Christmas lights that were electric to put on his tree. Apparently before that they were using candles, and then an old dried pine didn't respond well to candles after, after a couple of days. Uh, in 1895, uh, Grover Cleveland was president of the United States. He actually put the first Christmas lights on the tree inside his house. Uh, and then again in 1923, President Calvin Coolidge started the national Christmas tree lighting and put electric Christmas lights on the outside, and it became a national movement here in the United States. Now, obviously, in order to get Christmas lights uh, at your house, you had to have electricity. And so as uh, the invention of electricity and power and everything else kind of came about, so did all of the decorating and everything else. And I, I like things like that. I like to know where things start. I like to know the beginning of stuff, the historical realities of that. And, and it just reminds me that everything has a beginning, right? There's a place where we can go back to and say, this is the start. Uh, now, for humanity, we often ask that question, and it's been asked over and over and over again, is where did we come from? How did life begin? Where did this planet and the stars and all the things? And, and for Christians, that's, a, that's a, a, a relatively easy one for us. Well, God created. He spoke it into existence. But renowned physicists and astrophysicists and, and, and atheists, Stephen Hawking actually had this to say about that. He said, the eventual goal of science is to provide a single theory that describes the whole universe. Now, Hawking is, uh, is, is, is considered a genius, although there was a 12-year-old last week that scored higher on the IQ than what Hawking did. And so uh, I guess he's going to be out pretty soon. Like Menzies said, you're done, okay? But, but Hawking is, is a pretty sharp guy. But, but he, his, in his search for what he would call truth, he wants a single theory of everything, the singularity ideal of where did it all come from. Now, for some of us that we've heard terms like the Big Bang, it, you know, bang and creation. The, the problem with that is that, that, that something had to come out of nothing uh, and then create everything else, but it morphed somehow, and so matter somehow is preexistent with God. And so I fundamentally have a problem with that. Because that would say that there was God and there was matter, and that's just not how creation tells us. That God was always from the beginning, and out of his mouth he spoke things into existence. And so that's, that's where we start this morning as we begin the next several weeks talking about Christmas lights and the lights of Christmas. I, I would challenge Hawking's though a little bit, and I would say that the single theory 
the single theory, the source, the purpose, and hope of our very existence is in fact Jesus Christ. And at Christmas time, I think that's a great place for us to start. That, that the single reality of our existence, of our hope, of our purpose, of all that we are, all that we hope to be, all that God created us to be, is in the person of Jesus Christ himself. And this morning, I want to kind of make that argument a little bit. Not just to push against Mr. Hawkins, but to, to tell him exactly as Paul would often do to those that he would encounter, you have this theory and you've gotten this far, and I've arrived to tell you the rest of the story. And the rest of the story is indeed Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible this morning, I want to encourage you to open up John chapter 1 in the New Testament. John is the fourth gospel. It's the fourth book in the New Testament. John writes uh, in a very different way than what Matthew, Mark, and Luke write to us. John gives us um, less of a necessity to understand all the Jewish customs. He gives us a whole lot more of application as to what Jesus did. He he tells us the, the life and story of Jesus Uh, throughout the chapters of the book of John, and he helps us to apply that into real-world type scenarios. So if you're kind of new or you're thinking about where to start reading the Bible or maybe this next year, John is a wonderful place to start. It's a great place to to not have to know all of the Jewish customs and have some of that background and still understand that that God is writing a letter to us. And, And in John's letter, he starts off in a very interesting way, almost exactly the same way that Genesis chapter 1 The beginning of the Bible starts off, and this is what John tells us in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. This morning, I want to encourage you that if we go back to what I said a moment ago, that the the purpose, the source, the hope of all creation is in the person of Jesus Christ. We see that in in John 1 verse 4 right there where he says that in him is the light of men and the light of men is life. There's echoes here of Jesus being the source, the purpose, and the hope for all mankind. It's, 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 you can certainly read it back in Genesis chapter 1, but what we see here is that Jesus being the very source is that he was in the beginning, he existed in the beginning. You can also look at Genesis and see where it says, let us create man in our image, helping us to understand that God was not alone whenever he created man or all creation with his spoken word, that Jesus and the Holy Spirit were with him. They were three in one, one together, and he says, let us create him in our image, that Jesus always existed from the very beginning because God himself exists beyond and outside of what we would consider time. Time is but a construct for us to understand the linear reality of when things happen, but for God, he always existed, and so time is not a reality for him. It is reality for us. God just is, and so when we read in John chapter 1, we see that he was with God as the word, the word being capitalized, that he was with him from the very beginning, and so he was just always there. And so Mr. Hawking is looking for a single thing, and I would tell you the single thing was Jesus because he was there because without him, everything that was made was not made. And so nothing is created in all of creation if Jesus was not a part of that. And it's a fundamental reality for us to understand that the hope that we have is the source of Jesus Christ, and he was always there unchanging for us. It's good to have an unchanging God. Now, many of us are going to understand the realities of change whenever we have to go out to those Christmas lights and replace a bulb, change one of them, if you will. My poor neighbor next door, he has a one-story house, a great guy. He's about six foot five. 
got a one-story house, and he likes to decorate. He got started a little early. I mocked him a little bit. I'm like, dude, respect the bird. You got to give Thanksgiving his due, right? You can't, you can't be decorating a week in advance. He's a school teacher, so he had all this free time, you know, on his hands last week. Well, I noticed that one of his lights at the very peak of his one-story house were dangling down. A little clip had come out, and I just mocked him. I waited for him one day to come home, and he gets out of his truck, and, and I, I said, hey, man, what are you up to? He goes, well, I just got back from sailing, and I'm thinking, he's probably pretty tired. Man, boy, that sounds like a, yeah, yeah, it's a great day. You know, you really ought to fix that light up there, man. <laughs> I don't really, you know, you're already dirty. I don't, you know, let me get my ladder for you, because he doesn't have a ladder tall enough to get on his roof, but I do. I just happened to have moved my ladder just moments before he arrived because I was rearranging some things in my garage, and I took it over to him, and I, I, he says, do you mind holding the ladder for me as I get up on the roof? I'm like, no, you need me to fix that. Like, this is a problem. You need to change this thing. And so he gets up on the ladder, and he climbs, and he's kind of shaky, and he fixes the one little light. And I'm thinking, what effort he went to to change that one little light. That's the effort that God went into when he spoke us into existence. To say that everything has a place and a place for everything. And the purpose that all of humanity has is by God's very design. It's for everything to be where it's supposed to be and according to with him. We can likewise see that the purpose is, uh, of Jesus is the creative word and that all things were made through him. And God created everything with that spoken word, that word being Jesus, so that it would fall underneath him. The creator has full authority over his entire creation. That's what helps give us part of our purpose is understanding that the purpose of Jesus is that all things might be made and that the creator might be made known through him. And so when it says that the word was with him from the beginning, God from the very beginning had a desire for the light of the world to come and to illuminate himself and to show in us the reality that we need him. This time of year is challenging for a lot of people. It's, it's not only seasonal affectedness disorder and the gray and the rain and the cold and the temperature change and all that other stuff. But it's also the time of year that just in reality, as people get a little bit older, the cold and the weather change, usually we see deaths start to pick up a little bit. It's just kind of one of those things that happen. As people gather and they intermingle and associate with one another, we see that, that illnesses, the flu and things like that get passed around and people with compromised immune systems, they get a little sicker. It's that time of year that we also remember those loved ones who aren't with us that maybe were last year or the ones who are struggling this year. It's when we start to really think about the purpose of our lives. Why are we here? What has God put me here? What is the reason for that? I think the purpose of Jesus is really one of the great clarity pieces for us to understand that, that the purpose of Jesus is for God to be with his creation. Emmanuel, God with us. In the garden, we see at the very beginning that, that, that God walked with Adam and Eve. They were in great relationship with one another. But one of the first things God created was light. And when he spoke it into existence, he says, let there be light. And there was. And he, and he created two lights, one to rule over the day and one to rule over the night. The purpose of Jesus was to be that light to rule over all of us always. And since we're no longer in that, that right relationship with him, as Adam and Eve were in the garden before they sinned, we now can be in right relationship when the light of the world is the life for mankind. And we recognize that light and we draw towards him. The purpose of Jesus is quite simply to unify all creation to its creator. To bring us all back under the umbrella and the authority of the one who loved us so much that he provides for everything that we need as it was supposed to have been in the garden. 
to set all things back to it. And without him, nothing was made, not even perfection or the reconciliation of mankind. It's hard sometimes to, to look at evil and to look at death and to look at sickness and illness and say, well, did God make those things too? And I, I can't tell you that I have a perfect answer for that. What I can say is that God allowed those things to happen, but he allowed those things to happen after our free will choice chose sin and disrupted everything and perfection was no longer the way God had created it to be. Man spoiled it. But because man spoiled it, God said, I want to fix this and make it better. And the purpose of my son Jesus, the light of all men to come into this world, is to bring them back to their creator and recognize that their creator loves them very much, even to the point that he would give his very son for them. And that, friends, leads us to the hope of Christmas. You know, it's fitting that when we think about Christmas and the the scene at the manger and the wise men and everything else, that, that a star, which sometimes we can see them at night, you have to get a little further outside of the city. Sometimes you can see them in the daytime, but those are usually airplanes. But it's fitting that when we think about Christmas, we often think about the North Star. We hear the story of the Magi, how they were searching, and they were using that as a compass, as a, as a point for them to go to. Even when they met with Herod, and Herod himself, being Jewish, by the way, heard of this king that would come, and he thought, hey, I know what I'll do. I'll just kill all the babies under the age of two. He says, how are you following them? Oh, we're looking for this star, and they go looking for him. And we think that perhaps maybe it took them a little bit of time. And so when you see a nativity scene out in somebody's front yard, it's not historically accurate. The Magi didn't show up on the day of his birth. I'm just saying that. Doesn't give people the right to steal the baby Jesus, though, by the way. Y'all know they they GPS him like a, isn't that funny? But it's the ideal, right? It's the thought is that the hope of Christmas was in a child in a manger that was there that was led by a star. I think it's fitting that a star would guide the Magi to seek him and worship him. Matthew chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 tells us, And after listening to the king being Herod, the Magi went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now listen, listen to that. Did you hear that? This is when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly. They didn't say when they, when, when they got to the baby. They say, when they, showed, they say when they saw the light that was leading them to the perfection of all creation, to the one that would reconcile humanity back to its creator, the Magi rejoiced because they knew that the light that was given to them by the creator that was leading them to the one who was there at the very beginning was going to the destination that God had preordained and planned for all mankind. The light of the world is the light of men. And they rejoiced because the stories they had heard were true. That's why we tell the truth of Christmas. That it's about Jesus. It's not about the presents. It's about seeking him and being led by the Holy Spirit, being led by the light of the world, back to the reconciliation that only the provider, who is our creator, can do. It's fitting that the light bears witness in the darkness, and it's fitting that we place a star on top of our Christmas trees, many of us do. It's fitting that we place that star up there and we bring attention to the focal point of that tree as the object that the Magi can look toward. It's fitting that a baby born in the major under a star would represent both the fragility and the hope of all mankind. I want you to think about that for a minute. A child illuminated by a star, leading people to come and find him, rejoice because if the star's real, then what's underneath it is too. 
represents the great fragility and the hope for all mankind. So this is why we put Christmas lights up on our house, right? We're celebrating Christmas, the light that led those to seek after the Creator who would put everything back in its proper order, the salvation and the hope of all mankind. It's fitting that Jesus would be the light of all men. It's fitting that He would not only expose our sinfulness, illuminate to us the only way out of it. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. As John writes this to us, that that verse 4 especially, while it it reads in the English in a past tense, it's important that we understand that it's actually more of a present indicative idea that the light was the light of men, that it was to be the light of men, that it was going to continue to shine on and on and on for all mankind to see and have hope in that light. And so we might read this as a past tense, but but in its original language, what we see is that our hope was... In Jesus, it always was in Jesus, it is in Jesus, and it always will be in Jesus. And so we can see that entire thing spread out there. And so we go back to that single theory that the purpose of our existence, the hope, the source, the reality of why we're here is is found only in the person of Jesus Christ. Science can only explain up to so far that at some point you have to get to a place of faith and say, God created this, and he created all this because he loves mankind and he wants mankind to be with him there forever and ever. Many of us know that this morning. But I want to encourage you to look at a couple of pieces with me this morning. And I want to share with you a couple of just application pieces to help us look at this Christmas season maybe just a little bit differently. We'll look at the, the Christmas lights, if we would. When we see them twinkling, when we see one of them out, we see one of them misplaced, but whatever the case may be, that maybe we see them a little differently. First of all, I hope what we see is that the light of men gives light. If Jesus is indeed the light of all mankind, and he's the light that draws people in, that light gives life. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes to the church of Ephesus, and he says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Friends, when we were born, we were all born spiritually dead. It may not necessarily be the Christmas message that you're hoping for this time of year, but it actually illuminates the hope that we have in Jesus. When we were born, we were born spiritually dead. And because of such, if our lives come to an end while we are spiritually dead, we will remain in that spiritual deadness. It doesn't mean we just go away and nothing exists after that. What it means is that our soul forever will reside in an eternal place called hell, which is outside of the presence of God Almighty himself. And so the purpose of the light of all men is that the light gives life. Jesus being the founder and perfecter, the author and perfecter, 
of life itself. He was there with God when he spoke it into existence. And so when we see that people are living in darkness and they're worshiping the prince of the power of the air, who would be Satan, that we know that we are spiritually dead, that the, the light of man who is Jesus, the reason why we celebrate Christmas, the reason why the lights ought to come on is to say that I was dead to my sins and Jesus came and paid the price for me so that I may be alive in him. four things that are required for life to happen. Air, water, light, and food. You can't live without one of those things. Not for very long. If you've ever been in a really dark place, both physically and metaphorically, you know that something happens when light comes and rules over the darkness. You know that a, a light leading the path to safety. The sad thing is I can think of no better scenario than a haunted house. You're just looking for the bright light that says exit on the way out. I don't know how many of you go to those places. I don't go to those places anymore, man. My bladder just doesn't work like it used to. I don't do that. But you're looking for that exit. You're looking for that way out, right? I don't like tight, confined spaces, but I tell you what, you give me a light, I'm good. Many years ago, I was privileged to go to, uh, to Israel and walk through Hezekiah's tunnel. If you ever study on that and know what's going on there, what happened was is that two groups of of diggers started about a mile apart and they started going towards each other while the city of Jerusalem was under siege by Sennacherib who was exacting God's vengeance upon a sinful people. And in the process, they, 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 they wove their way through hard rock and granite sandstone and they actually met so that they could get water and supplies through. And so you can walk through Hezekiah's tunnel and there's, there's parts of Hezekiah's tunnel that's only about this high. And there are times where you're, you're, you're actually going through there sideways and there's water about up to mid-shin and you're walking through and it's dark. And, and look, when you've got 50 or 60 people who are on this nice little tour with you, you don't just turn around and go back. You have to keep going. And the guides that were with us, they, they, they were nice enough to say, wear your water shoes today. So, so we wore our water shoes, uh, but nobody said anything about bringing a flashlight. And you know what that smart aleck said? Hezekiah's people didn't have flashlights. They had torches and they had lamps sometimes, and many of them actually had some carbon dioxide issues with all that, but many times they would navigate through this thing in the dark. Now, look, to be fair, there's only one way to, that you can go, and back is not that way. You keep going forward, and there's just something that happens when you pop out on the other side, and there's that light that is rescue, that is safe. I'm no longer in a confined space. There's not people behind me that are pushing to get through because they're just as scared as I am. There's not people in front of me who don't know where they're going because it's dark and they won't move fast enough. You kind of stop thinking about all the other people in the tunnel when you're stuck there. You're just thinking about all the obstacles that are in both directions from you. Light's required for our existence. Light gives life, but it also gives eternal life. This was the purpose hope that Jesus came to this earth with. This is why we celebrate this time of year. John chapter 8 verse 12 says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You know, some people this time of year, they, they get into debate. I know they still do it, even though a lot of people shop online, but it's, it's, it's the, the Merry Christmas versus Happy Holidays. You know, what, what does the cashier say to you? Now, now, this is interesting because nowadays there's, there's a lot of studies about should you tip when you go to the restaurant, right? 
I'm just suggesting that the one who says happy holidays to me may get less of a tip than the one who says Merry Christmas. Now, I'm also the guy that worked at Lowe's whenever they changed their, their, their trees to holiday trees. Now, other than Arbor Day, I don't know what tree is celebrated. I can field a phone call. I think I shared with this. Field a phone call from a mean customer one day. Like, why are you calling holiday trees? I'm like, I'm not manufacturing them back here in the back. This is not Santa's worship. And we got into a theological conversation about, actually, there was not a tree there the day that Jesus was born. In fact, the pines that are in Israel now were gifts from the United States because they weren't there originally. <laughs> and so the pines that you have in your house that you hung up with everything else is more of a pagan ritual and things like that to, to appease the Catholic reconciliation movement. I'm like, I didn't know all that. And, and so when you say holiday tree, it's probably actually more accurate to say Christmas tree. You see, the tree that Christ actually is associated with was the one that hung him on the cross. Not the one that our little ornament that our kids were three years old hung on the tree. If that's all that Christmas is, then we've missed the light of the world that is the light for all mankind. For we realize what John says, that those that follow after Jesus will not walk in darkness, but will walk in the light. That is an opportunity for us as believers. That we're walking in the light of the salvation of Jesus Christ this Christmas season and that, that we shouldn't just take advantage of this time of year to be a little nicer, to be a little kinder, to say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays. That we should have that, that light shining in us in all that we do because the eternal life that's been given to us has been given to us through the person of Jesus Christ who was there at the beginning and the lights ought to be coming on for us. They should always be on. They shouldn't be on timers that go off because you don't want to waste the electricity. The light of life that lives in us, the eternal life that Jesus Christ should always be on. John chapter 17, verse 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they know you only through God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. There's no false light in him. He came to us for the specific purpose. Eternal life is a gift from God that really provides our purpose. The reason for our existence is to love God and to serve him forever. It's almost to say that as a believer that has the gift of eternal life that came with the precious blood of Jesus Christ is that the light is always on for us and people should always be attracted to us to find out what's happening in our world. The old Motel 6 scenario with Tom Wopat said, we'll leave the light on for you. Remember that? I wouldn't stay in a Motel 6 unless I had to anymore. That's just me. But I've stayed in a plenty of them. Jesus said, I'll leave the light on for you. If you follow me, you will not walk in darkness, but you will walk in the light. The light of men also gives hope to those in the darkness. And this is what people need to see who don't know him. John 12, 46 says, I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. I think that's one of the saddest things we do is we leave people lost in the dark. We know they're, they're lost. We know they're in the dark. We know they're struggling. And we just say crazy things like, oh, I'll pray for you. Gosh, I hope that works out for you. Have you considered maybe seeing a counselor about that? Instead, what we need to tell them is about the one who was there in the beginning, who spoke life into all creation, who is the light for all mankind that draws people out of the darkness, who gives them freedom to say you do not have to walk in darkness, but you can walk as children of light just as he is light. 
that we can be reconciled back to our Creator because that's the purpose of Christianity is that once we are reconciled back to our Creator through eternal life, that we would reconcile others back to Him as well to say that whatever's going on in your world, I don't want to boil it down to simplicity, but what you really need more than anything else is Jesus Christ. He is the purpose, the source, and the hope of all creation. All things created can find their way back to Jesus. And if you would find your way to him, if you would follow the light that he is shining, just like the Magi were looking after him, you would see that light and you would worship him for who he is and what he has done and what he wants to continue to do for you because he's the light for all men. I come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And so, believer, I would ask you this morning, if you're a believer and you're dabbling in the darkness or you enjoy the darkness or you're looking for the darkness, then I would have to question your salvation just a little bit to ask you that you really understand what Jesus did for you. And do you know that you don't have to live there? And that while it's quick for the, the enemy, the prince of the, of the air, to pull us back into these dark places, is Jesus saying, no, 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 you don't have to. And by the way, if you get pulled into those dark places, don't worry about it. I've overcome the darkness. And finally, as a believer, I would ask us this morning if we would pay a lot of attention to what John 1-4 really says about us. We hang our Christmas lights and we put up our decorations and people know that we're believers. Especially this time of year that we'd understand that the light of men is a beacon sent to those in the darkness. I mentioned earlier about people having more illnesses and more funerals and more sadness and more darkness this time of year. And it should be the happiest time of year. The most wonderful time of the year for us. the most wonderful time of the year and that means we get to tell people about Jesus we don't get to mock the little baby Jesus that never grew up we get to tell them about the savior of the world that came that we might have salvation through him when Paul was arrested and on trial he was pushing to go to Rome so he could speak before the emperor, as a Roman citizen, he had the right to do so. They kind of stopped him along the way through the appellate court, and he's standing before King Agrippa. And Agrippa had heard of Paul and about this Jesus, and, and you'll, you'll see in the book of Acts, you'll see the way. And he'd heard about this, and he was intrigued by all the stories of this man who, who, who walked on water, who rose from the dead, who healed the blind, and, and brought people back to life. He, he was intrigued by this, and he asked Paul if he would speak to him about these things. This is what Paul says in Acts 26, verse 16 through 18. He says, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. This is Paul saying, this is what Jesus said to me when he encountered me after I got through killing a lot of his followers. He struck me blind on the road to Damascus, and he appeared to me, and he says, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. Delivering you from the people and uh, from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. 
what Paul has figured out, what I want to encourage us to understand is that if the light of the world and the light of men came to us to give us life and to give us eternal life, also the power that we have to bring people out of darkness, to be the beacon. And that our story, our Christmas story ought to be that Christ appeared to me, not in the form of a star like he did to the Magi, but he appeared to me and he saw everything that I had done and he loved me anyway. And he said, I went to the cross to pay for your sins and to reconcile you back to the creator. I was with him in the very beginning. I'm with him now and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. As a believer, the Christmas season especially ought to be the time by which we draw people into the true light, the source of Jesus Christ. That we stand like Paul did and we understand that that our salvation was not just for us to have and to hold and to be happy about and to wave and tell everybody that I'm saved, but our salvation ought, ought to be the beacon, the lighthouse on the shore that people are crashing into called life to say, listen, you don't have to crash into these rocks. God has sent me in your pathway, in your life, in your circle, in your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood, wherever the case may be. God has sent me to call you out of darkness and into light because you don't have to live that way. Jesus made sure of that. It's perhaps one of the great opportunities and even missed opportunities that we have is that we don't recognize that we are the beacon sent to those in darkness. So to that, I would send you this invitation this morning. To both the believer and the non-believer, would you consider the greatest gift that you could give this Christmas? Your salvation through Jesus Christ. That you could share with someone the reality that there's a God who sent his only child down here to earth who became sin, who knew no sin so that he could grow up perfect and sinless and be a sacrifice for all mankind, would you consider that perhaps maybe there are a lot of people in your life that are walking in darkness that need to be delivered into that light? The Christmas lights that you're really shining are not the ones in your front yard or on top of your house or your tree or wherever it is. The Christmas lights that shine in you is the one that fell down in a shadow of Jesus Christ and have eternal life for him alone. And he didn't just come for me, he came for you too. And I want to show you this morning is that perhaps maybe you would come and we'd pray about this with you. Maybe with me or one of the other guys that are here or maybe you just need to spend some time here at the altar. And that we would start this Christmas season with the lights turned on. That the light in me would shine and that I would not be associated with darkness. I'd be associated with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that through that that others would be attracted to that. But what's so different about you just have the Christmas spirit and oh, I've got the Holy Spirit. He's a lot stronger. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life and the life was the light of men. When you leave here today, I hope leave knowing that the light of of men is with you always. It is not designed to be kept to only itself and for people only. You ought to let the light shine through them for them to see what good deeds you have.